Well, hello and uh, welcome to another episode of Pep Talk, uh, this persuasive evangelism podcast from Solas. I'm Andy Bannister and uh, I am joined today by a guest all the way from the other side of the world. Most of our guests are often European, but today we have something quite special. We have a Californian uh, for you today, all the way from the uh, West Coast of the USA. Uh, Sean McDowell, welcome to Pep Talk. Andy, it's been way too long, my friend. Honored to be here with you. It's, uh, it's great to have you. Now, look, there is much more to you than simply the fact you live in California. I realize that hasn't sold you short. So in a, in a nutshell, who are you? Um, tell, tell people who perhaps are not familiar uh, with you who you are and what you do. Sure. So I've been married to my high school sweetheart for 23 years. That's a big piece of me. I have three kids, teach high school uh, part-time, but I'm a full-time professor at Biola University. And really, I'm a communicator, whether it's on social media, blogs, books, speakings, YouTube channel, my heart aligns with yours to defend the faith and advance the gospel. And for folks who are not familiar with uh, with uh, with Sean, with your stuff, particularly because, you know, sometimes over here in the UK, we have different sets of voices and all. Do check out the show notes. We'll put a link to Sean's YouTube and, and other stuff. I often come across your stuff kicking around on Instagram and those kind of places. Um, but Sean, one of the things that you uh, have made a bit of a name, I guess, for yourself in, in recent years is someone who really has worked hard on figuring out how to communicate the gospel to the, to the younger mm-hmm. generation. You mentioned high school, university students, and a whole set of challenges there in reaching that age group. So maybe actually, why don't I kick off with that question? What are the challenges in reaching that generation? Are there particular issues that Christians we need to be aware of if we're going to think about engaging uh, folks in their you know, late teens, 20s, that kind of crowd? Broadly speaking, I think there's two ways to look at this. One you might say is the medium of the challenge, of course, being social media. And I'm not anti-social media. I use it. I love it. But social media can lead to a kind of distraction, so to speak. It can lead to a kind of skepticism because there's endless voices speaking into this generation. Many can start to wonder, can I really know anything? Because there's always some quote-unquote expert who's going to raise some different perspective. So there's the medium, so to speak, that social media might challenge. But there's also the message. And when you look at the questions this generation is asking, they tend to be in a few categories. One would be things like the intersection of science and faith. And a lot of young people think, do if I'm going to follow God, do I have to abandon science? And even though we've seen in recent days a certain uh, challenging to the authority of science, it still reigns pretty high within this generation and beyond. So science and faith is one set of questions. Other questions are not so much about the truthfulness of Christianity, but the goodness of God. These are questions like the problem of evil, which, of course, is a timeless question. The problem of hell. We hear about kind of genocide, Old Testament violence. These kinds of moral questions are pressing to this generation. And, and questions like, how can Jesus be the only way? I think the third category, in particular, issues of sexuality and gender. LGBTQ questions come up all the time with this generation. And it's not just an academic question like it somewhat was for you and I growing up. It's personal. It's their friends. It's their teammates. So I would say science and faith, questions on the exclusivity of Jesus, the morality of God, and then third, LGBTQ questions are some of the most timely pressing questions this generation is dealing with. Yeah, I mean, I would very much agree with you, I think, on this side of the Atlantic, too. And certainly one of the shifts we've seen, I think, is, you know, whereas a previous generation might be asking questions of, of truth, you know, are these things mm. true? 
you know, a lot of younger people I encounter are asking, well, is Christianity bad because of its moral teaching? So let's take that, that last one, the totally non-controversial, you know, <laughs> uh, but I think the angle to come at that, uh, given that, you know, the nature of, of, of pep talk and folks listening keen to, you know, think more about how they can share their faith effectively. Look, Sean, lots of Christians I run into, and especially younger Christians, are just terrified, right, of, of standing up for Christ mm. at a university, at high school, at work, because what they're afraid of is they'll be labeled one of those horrific adjectives. Oh, you Christians, you're homophobic. You Christians, you're transphobic. And I think that stops many Christians even starting the conversation. What would you say to encourage, you know, perhaps students listening to this um, who are afraid of talking about faith in case this question comes I mean, it's easy for you right you're a professor you've got a shelf full of books but you know someone who's a teen uh, young adult wants to talk about christ afraid of this question where would you encourage them to start and think and reflect so i would say two things number one i don't want to encourage these young people to know and believe that the sexual ethic of jesus that is taught in scriptures is right and it's good and if they believe that they're on the right side of history. Now, that's a whole nother conversation we obviously don't have time to go into. But a lot of times we pull back and we're afraid. It's because we have this thought of like, maybe we're wrong about this. Maybe we're yes. wrong about marriage. I've studied this hundreds of hours, Andy, and I'm convinced that Jesus taught that marriage is one man, one woman, one flesh, one lifetime. He also taught the goodness of singleness. And I think the sociological evidence backs up and says that this is what is best and right for society. So I want to encourage these young people that you are on the right side of history. Don't be shamed out of or threatened out of or honestly bullied out of holding a biblical view of sex and gender and marriage and love, etc. That is what Jesus held and it's right. The second point is we've got to learn how to navigate these kinds of waters. So what I found is the best thing to do is just respond with questions. Just mm -hmm. simply ask questions. So people are talking about marriage. I'm really curious. How do you define marriage? Where does that definition come from? What is marriage? Is, is sexual difference key to marriage? Just asking questions. And then when somebody presses back and says, wait a minute, you're one of those bigots and homophobes who holds this, say, you know what? That's a really serious charge that you're raising. I'd love to have that conversation with you over coffee in a different setting when we can hear each other out and maybe find some common ground and clarify where we differ. For now, I'm just asking questions because this is a cultural conversation that we're having. And I think it's important that we bring clarity. So I would invite students in class, in big groups, just ask questions. That's one of the best skills we can develop. You know this, Andy. We have recorded 333 questions by Jesus and 262 questions by Paul. Asking questions is perhaps the best teaching method, best evangelism method. It's the best method I use on social media. But in classroom for a student, just asking good questions is the way I would navigate this. And if you feel pressed, the default is just simply to say, you know what? These are such sensitive topics. I would love to have this conversation with you in person over coffee if you're willing to have this conversation with me. So yes, the biblical sexual ethic of Jesus is good, but don't feel like you have to take on an entire classroom and the entire sexual ethic of Jesus rests upon you. 
you don't have to carry that weight. Just mm-hmm. ask questions publicly and then engage people individually uh, in a way that Jesus often did in scripture as well. I think what I find helpful about that response, Sean, is the twofold aspect to it. I mean, starting with being confident that Jesus' sexual ethic is good, because I think you're right. Some Christians do doubt this, right? And Mm. if we've got any doubts in our own minds about the gospel, there's going to be a problem. And then, as you say, that sort of listening, that conversational approach there can be, can be, I think, really, really helpful. Because I think it's very often, Mm. right, we feel that we have to have all of the answers and and, and everything sort of almost drop it on our friends like a, like a truth bomb. And it's, (laughs) it's going to go badly, badly, badly wrong. But let's, let's talk about one of the other uh, topics that, uh, that you raised there. There's the, there's the, uh, you mentioned, I think the science question is one of the mm. ones as well which i find interesting because you've got the the sexual ethic which is more sort of a bit more touchy-feely but then you still have the hard-nosed questions doing the round don't you still have this sense i think that some christian students feel that gosh we're a bit on the back foot here because you know our friends over here our secular friends have all of this evidence and all this stuff over here and all we all we have is genesis and uh, it looks a bit problematic so again a similar question so I had to put to you with the LGBT one. So for again, if you've got a you know Christian student in front of you who wants to be you know fired up and confident, talk about their faith, they're afraid because their friends are a bit sciencey. What would you say to encourage them? How would you help them think their way into those some of those sciencey type questions? Well, I would say I would say a couple things. First off, uh, this is an area that you can read and think and develop in as a college student or high school student. You don't have to have all the answers on the age of the year, the intersection of evolution and the Christian faith. You don't have to have all that figured out, but engage this question because so much is at stake with it. The Bible begins with a question, is there a designer? And this affects almost every other issue. The second thing I would say is make sure we die on the right issue. So there's a lot of space within Orthodox Christianity things like the age of the earth, the intersection of science and faith. And biblically speaking, we believe the scriptures are true. We believe that God is the creator. But how God does this, there's some areas to disagree here. So sometimes Christians feel threatened by certain scientific challenges. I want to take a step back and say, okay, what's the nature of that challenge? Does this Is this overturning Christianity in an essential way? or maybe just in a secondary way. So keep the main thing, the main thing. But then again, if you're in conversation with somebody, the way you framed it, Andy, somebody who's more scientifically inclined than you are, just ask questions, listen, understand. And you can always go back and listen to a, you can read a blog, you can watch a video by somebody, and then come back and engage that person again. Maybe they ask a question you don't know, go back and do your homework, engage that person again. That's what you and I are looking for, people to have these conversations. And so don't be afraid. Again, don't feel like you have to have it all figured out. Here's exactly how you explain first, you know, few chapters in Genesis. Here's exactly the relationship between what we think about evolution, intelligent design, origin of the universe. You don't have to have that all figured out. Engage people in conversation. You get asked a tough question, go back and do some homework on this, and then go engage the person. And you are demonstrating the love of Christ, this person. You're learning as you go, and you're making a difference. So I guess in some, make sure you die on the main issue. There's some people who want to die on the issue of the age of the earth. That is not an issue worth dying on. That is not a primary issue. That's a secondary issue. 
and engage people in conversation. You get asked a tough question, go back and do your homework more and keep the conversation going on. And I guess the last thing I would say is there's powerful positive evidence for design, I would argue. The origin of life, fine-tuning, origin of the universe, there's a powerful case that can be made. And the more Christians delve into this, I think the greater their confidence grows. I think, again, great, great advice there. And I think there is something crucial, isn't there, about similar to that first question I asked about the LGBT stuff, that so often, if we're not careful, we can end up feeling we have to have all the answers, be ready for absolutely everything. And I yeah. people and students, that that is the crippling issue. And I wonder, actually, Sean, whether one of the issues there, and I'd love your thoughts on this, because you mentioned this issue near the top of the podcast, because we live in the age of the, of the internet, right, there's all this stuff out there. And I think, you know, a lot of people have had that experience that they've run into a skeptical friend who's just, you know, showered them with YouTube videos. You know, you spend time online, someone goes, well, hang on, how can you be a Christian? And here's a link to a YouTube video. Here's, you know, here's an atheist saying this, and here's an atheist deconstructing this. And it feels like there's all this weight of stuff out there that unless you have an answer to, um, or the other danger is I sometimes feel that all you do is respond with YouTube links. So, you know, they, right. um, they share their atheist link, uh, you know, so you come and share your Sean McDowell link and it's just everyone's firing <laughs> YouTube videos at each other and so much noise on the internet. Have you got any advice for perhaps how we do evangelism in a digital age where we can actually get some conversation and some depth going rather than just, you know, shouting at one another on the internet or just firing YouTube video links at one another? Yeah, if somebody sends me eight video links, which happens sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm not going to watch all eight. That's kind of a sign for me. This person doesn't want to have a conversation. So I would honestly do one of two things. When somebody just sends me a ton of links, sometimes I just delete it. I'm like, wait a minute. This person is just trying to overwhelm me, send a million links. Now I'm in somewhat of a unique situation. I have people sending me stuff like daily they want me to watch. But at times, if it's somebody I can engage, they'll send a bunch. I'll say, okay, honestly, I'm not able to watch all eight, but I would love to follow up and have a conversation with you. Which one video do you think is most telling of where you stand? Let me watch this one. And then let's either talk over Zoom if we're not there in person, or let's get some coffee and discuss this together. Just narrow it down. And then the person says, okay, actually watch this video. I'll watch it. And then before I meet with that person, I'll spend some time thinking through, okay, do I have an answer for this? Hmm. Find an answer. Come and ready, not to win a debate with this person, but to just say, hey, I'll watch this video. Here's some positive things that I got from it. This is really interesting. Here's some questions I have for you about the video, not to win an argument, to have a conversation, to learn, to show love for this person, but to slowly, step-by-step, start advancing truth. That's how I would engage the person. So if somebody sends eight, you might say, hey, send me one that you think is most important. I'm going to send you one. Let's each watch these videos come together and just talk about it wow imagine if more christians were just doing that what i find interesting in, in that sean in every answer actually so far including that one you've brought about to conversation but what you're trying to mm. do is get a conversation going that seems to be the heart of your approach to evangelism why why is conversation so important for you why is that where you want to take people well i do evangelism from stage sometimes i do it in books there's different ways, but when you're talking about such sensitive topics with people, rarely in my experience do these things take place well on social media. They just don't. I think we can share videos. I think we can ask questions. I love social media, 
But when you get face to face with somebody, the whole nature of the conversation changes. It's harder to demonize somebody. It's harder to straw man somebody. And I think it's really showing care for somebody. I mean, Jesus met with people personally. So there's something incarnational about that that changes the nature of the conversation. So yeah, that's where I push things with people. I'd love Christians regularly to be taking people to coffee and talking and sharing and listening and ultimately with the goal of evangelism, but also just to love our neighbors. I also think as well, quite honestly, most people are not not interested in arguments, apart from a small subset mm. of society. If you grab a stranger in the street or on the campus and say, hey, would you like an argument? Most people are <laughs> If you say, hey, like coffee and a discussion, a conversation, most people are open uh, to that. And there was a survey done recently in the UK, actually. It was quite interesting. Although we're a very secular culture, it asked mm. how many people would be willing to have a conversation about spiritual things with a Christian if it was that sort of conversational stuff. I think it was north of 80%. Of people wow! That it was a very positive result. The people, Brits particularly, I'm sure you know there are similarities in our cultures are, mm. are drawn to conversation. What they don't like is the perception that religious people are shouty and argumentative. That we're just going to go in there and bash them around the head of the Bible. Mm. If we can convince people, there's a relational component. But look, last um, last question for you as we're approaching the kind of 20 minute mark. So we've talked about young people themselves, and you've offered some great advice for. For those who are younger, uh, listening, perhaps in house, engage their friends and think about things. But we also have quite a lot of pastors and church leaders, youth leaders, listen to this. How can churches better equip young people or best equip young people in your experience of doing this for years to be ready to be uh, to be great you know, evangelists, great ambassadors for Christ on their campuses? Because it's tough going it alone. If you're a Christian young person, it's great to know that your church is helping you. Have you got any advice for church leaders on what they could be doing to really set young people up? to do this as well as possible. The most effective churches I've seen doing this worldwide are those who from the top, the leader values the next generation and instills a sense that this is important from the stage with resources, with time. We are equipping and reaching the next generation and apologetics worldview must be a piece of that. So to really effectively do it in the church, number one, it starts from the top down. Second, All the data shows, Andy, that I've ever seen is that the primary influence in the life of a young person is their parents. Hands down, since 1972, that's what the data consistently shows. So if you want to equip young people, you've got to train parents to do this well. So from the top, train parents. Number three, we've got to start young. We've got to start young. If you do it in high school, so many times, at least in my country, they'll have like an apologetics Bible class right before college. We want to train these students before they go to the university. That's fine. But if that's when you do apologetics, in most cases, it's way, way too late. So from the top, equip parents, start young. And if you do that, I think just like you said, non-believers are interested in these kinds of conversations. I think students come alive when we do this in the right way with young people. They want to ask these questions. And actually, on that very note, I know that you're the parent of like, three kids. You said you. That's right. I'm the parent too. So, you know, we've lived this stuff out. Final, perhaps final, final question. How have some of this played out for you and your wife as a family? What are some of the things that you found have been really helpful in engaging your kids? Because I think you're absolutely right. This 
but th- this begins in the home. Too often as Christians, we can be tempted to let to assume it's the church's job to like train and equip our kids. I totally agree with you. So what have you found works well around the McDowell kitchen table uh, in terms of uh, your own kids and your own family? One example, my oldest is 19 years old. And when he was 14, he wanted to see this movie uh, about the rock band uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, about the rock band Queen. And there was some objectionable content in it, PG-13, but he's 14. I thought, you know what? He's old enough. Let's do this. So he asked me to go. I said, sure, I'll spend a lot of money, take you and a friend, and buy popcorn and drinks if under one condition. We're done. We just come back home and just sit down. I just want to know what you think about this. He goes, sure, Dad. So we go to the movie, come back, sit down, probably 20, 30 minutes. And I said, hey, buddy, what would you think about the movie? What was your favorite scene? Did anything surprise you in the movie? Then I said, hey, as Christians, is there anything in this film that we can agree with and celebrate? Then I said, are there any things that gave you pause that when we look at this movie, we think, yeah, as Christians, not sure we can get on board with this. My last question was, was there any time in this movie you felt you were being preached at? And in the context of relationship, we had this conversation. Andy, bottom line, here's what the research shows. If you want to pass on your faith, three things. Number one, you've got to model it. You have to live an authentic faith. Number two, you have to build real, intimate, warm relationships with your kids. And number three, have regular, ongoing conversations about worldview, apologetic, spiritual issues. There's no formula with passing on the faith because people have free will. But if there were a formula, it would be live it, relationships, and engage in spiritual conversations. That's the best things we can do if we care about passing on our faith to our kids. Fantastic stuff. And I think a great point to bring the conversation to a close. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. Really grateful for you uh, taking the time to join us uh, from the other side of the world. Um, if people want to find out more about you and your books, your ministry, the stuff you do, is there a website they should go to? Where's the best place they can go to find out more about what you do? Yeah, the hub would just be seanmcdowell.org. But that has links to Twitter, links to Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, a bunch of different books and a blog, speaking schedule. Have not yet spoken in the UK, have wanted to forever. Maybe at some point we'll, we'll make that work out. I remember going with my, my dad when he was younger and loving it. But uh, So that'd be a long travel to see me speak. But bottom line, seanmcdowell.org links to the different kinds of resources that are out there that might, might help folks. Fantastic. There you go, seanmcdowell.org. We'll also put a link in the show notes. And uh, so once again, Sean, thank you so much. It's been great having you on Pep Talk. Thanks, Andy. Okay, and for all of you listening at home or on the car or on your run, wherever you're catching this podcast, hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Sean. And I will be back uh, in two weeks' time with another guest and another episode of Pep Talk. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.